coaches. Today, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer pod- Podcast. I can't enunciate today, obviously. Uh, we, today we have Coach Eric Firestone with us. He is the defensive coordinator at Gardendale High School in Alabama. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good, Coach. Doing good. Um, you get to enjoy nice weather and I get to freeze and <laughs> we're, all, we're all happy. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, we got a snowstorm coming our way for this later this week, so it'll be, it'll be interesting, which, and the irony is by the time this post snow will be all gone, so... <laughs> Um, but kind of before we get into kind of, I mean, you've spoken on it. I, I think you, I saw you speak either. What was it for Gardetti or, or football scoop? I don't remember where yeah, I, football scoop. football scoop. Um, before we kind of get into any of that stuff and, um, kind of give your background so people can understand how you ended up at Gardendale. Um, I've, I've been, this is my 19th year. So I've been doing it for a while. Um, I started my first couple of years at a middle school in Texas, Sanger Middle School. And then I'm originally from Alabama. So me and my wife wanted to move to get back closer to home. I was at, at Talladega High School for a couple of years. I was the defense coordinator my uh, second year there. Uh, I had no clue what I was doing, uh, but it was a lot of good experience for, for me. Moved on, went to Hillcrest High School for four years. Um, I coached both uh, defensive line and the offensive line there so I, I had a huge learning curve there being able to, to do a little bit of both um then i got my opportunity to be a defense coordinator again work for one of my good friends will, will wagon at mumford high school i was there for four years we had some good success and then we moved on to hazel green high school in um huntsville i was a defense coordinator there for three years and then uh, after that, we, we all kind of broke up and went our separate ways. And then I've been at Gardendale for the last four years. So um, I was lucky to become a uh, defense coordinator again here. Um, uh, and uh, one new thing for me is uh, I, my oldest is in ninth grade this year. So we've been on the, on the same team together for the first time. So that's been a pretty cool experience. Like, do you want to talk about that? Because, I mean – I've I've always um, how do I want to phrase this? Because I I have a daughter, she's twelve, and I, I like I work with her on stuff mm-hmm. she does, but obviously I don't coach her directly. What is um it like coaching your own child, especially at the high school point? Yeah. Obviously, like mine's still middle school. But what uh-huh. has that kind of experience been like, both from um, a pro and con standpoint? Yeah, I mean, there's some cool things like um, I've got three kids, and I've I've 
you know, helped with little league and, and basketball and, and all that stuff in the past. And that's pretty, been pretty cool. But about the time my oldest got to about nine or 10, I kind of stepped back because I knew that eventually down the road, I'd be coaching him again. So we had a little bit of a break with that, but, um, there's been some good and, and you know, and, and some conflict too. Uh, he's pretty hard headed like me. Um, the, the good thing is right now he's on offense. So he's a quarterback and a receiver. <laughs> and, uh, so I don't coach him directly a whole lot. We do some crossover periods sometimes and I get him. Um, but, um, it's been, I mean, it's been cool. I mean, like we, we have morning workouts and so he's going to the same place I am. So, uh, he didn't, he doesn't ever need a ride cause, cause he's always with me. So that, that part's good. Um, but again, he's hard headed, I'm hard headed. And so, uh, there's some things where, where I'll talk to him about, Hey, you need to make sure you're doing this or, or, or I don't try to step over step on toes with the offensive coaches, but if I see something, then, then I am going to bring it, you know, bring it up to him. So, uh, and there's also times too, like in, in the coach's office where, where I choose or, or I know that I'm, I'm dad and coach at the same time. And sometimes if my son's name comes up, then I, I try to be quiet and kind of let other people do all the talking. Uh, cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be like I'm pushing my kid over somebody yeah. else. Now, like, just out of curiosity, so if, it, if you're hitting those bullhead moments, is there any point you just blitz him to death when he's at quarterback? Just to, yeah, I, like, I did that a little bit, yeah, and in, in the spring a little bit of his uh, – this this past year, uh, he had, you know, trial by fire a little bit. Uh, I, I guess they, they had a couple good plays, so uh, I started sending some folks after him then. Hey, I get it. I, I'm always curious about that, especially when you're the defense coordinator, so as the quarterback, it's like – well, let's see what he can do. That's uh, right. But I mean, like here, here let's, let's go this way first because um, obviously you've been in decent. I mean, you've coached a while, nineteen years now. You you have you have quite a bit of experience, uh, multiple stints as DC. Uh, worked on the offensive side a little bit. Worked middle school. Um, what is just out of curiosity? What is your typical off season like? Because I, I I literally just got off the phone with my offense coordinator, and his response to me was. I have never watched this much film in the offseason in my life because he because he asked for some resources and yeah. I was I was like, okay. And then I have literally flooded him because I, I mean obviously doing this stuff, I get a lot of stuff. And so I've been able to kind of just blow his stuff up. But what is your kind of like offseason process every year look like? Um, it's a little bit different every year. One thing um is, is like this past year, uh, I've been coaching indoor track. So I just finished up with indoor track this past week. So uh, I've not really had a whole lot of time other than like maybe two weeks before um, the Christmas break. But usually what I do, the, the first thing that I do is, is uh, I do a self-scout and I do a pretty comprehensive self-scout and, and I go through every game and um, look at all the, the stuff that we did good. I mean, I, I'm I kind of do all the numbers and I know that numbers don't tell the whole story, but, but I think that it tells something. Um, and then, then you can look at, look back at each game and see what the numbers actually did tell you when you, when you look at the score and then you can look back and, and see um, maybe we gave up more passing yards this game versus, 
or, or this year versus the other years based off of personnel or, 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 or scheme. And then, then what we do is, is we, me and uh, the other coaches, we talk a little bit about, you know, what we did, what we've got, what, what's leaving and what, what we have coming up as far as like, uh, like this next year, I've got five starters that I've got to uh, plan around. Um, and, you know, what, what are we going to do there? Do we need to change a little bit what we do and how we, and how we do it? Does our coverages need to change? Um, and then if, if we do, and if there's some, something just glaring there, then I got to work as far as I, I write down like coverages, Hey, we're going to put in cover three. And, and so then I start, you know, digging into different resources there. And I, I might call some folks that I, that I know that run certain things. Um, I gather a ton of film and, and, and rules. Um, the good thing is the last couple of years, we've pretty much stayed the same. We, we have a huge, what we call a toolbox of, of uh, coverages and fronts and stuff that we use. So um, we just kind of really see if we can pick up on some, on some coaching points that for, for the current things that we already have. So that's kind of that's kind of where we go, and and then at, you know we, we if we go through spring, and then I say, hey, hundred percent, we've got it, we've got to do something different. Uh, depending on who we have, then then I'll do some more research. Okay. Okay. No, that sounds good, Coach. Now, now I'm, I'm gonna, I usually save this for the end, but I I'll move this up because especially since this being a defensive talk is, and I didn't and I didn't ask you before we go. I usually just do this blind, if you're in the press box or not. Um, but whether it's you or whether it's somebody else, what are you, what do you have your press box people looking for on defense? Cause I've been, a I, I thought that was an area we struggled personally with last year. And that's something I'm looking at evaluate. Everybody's a little different on how to answer this, but kind of what have you, what do you look for on defense or have your guy look for so you can kind of adjust as you need? Yeah. So, well, we have, we have four defensive coaches and we have two on the field and two in the box. I'm on the field. Um, just, I, I found out the first time that I was a coordinator um, when I wanted to communicate something to the defensive players and it had to go through another channel. I didn't like that because it didn't always get communicated the way that I wanted it to. So I like, I like being able to, to talk to, to the kids directly and also be able to talk to, you know, if the kid needs to be calmed down or whatever reason, I can, I can look him in the eye and say, Hey, look, you know, you need to adjust this, that, or whatever. So I'm on the field. Uh, I coach linebackers and then I have one of our secondary guys is on the field as well. So then we have um, our defense, defensive line coach. He's in the box and then another secondary guy in the box. Um, so we have, I, I try to get them to watch the other side of the field from where we are. Um, and like the, the secondary coach, I, I want him to get the, the routes on the far side of the field. Um, and they also, um, my secondary coach is also responsible for personnel. We see a lot of, um, of different personnel packages throughout, you know, the, the games and stuff. So he's in charge of, of saying, Hey, you know, 21's in fours out, things like that, because we, we try to match personnel the best that we can. Um, and then our defensive line coach is he's watching the, uh, the blocking schemes, make sure he see, that I'm seeing the same thing he's seeing. So the, the good thing is like the, the secondary coach that's on the field, he's been doing it for 30 something years. So like he, he, he knows this stuff way better than I do uh, as far as, 
in the, you know, in the coverages and, 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 and far as making adjustments on, on a couple different things. Now, now I care because you mentioned how your experience at your secondary there is how much, especially in the off season for ideas, because I'll jump back to this, how much input do you allow for ideas and for thoughts and where they come from? And if somebody does, what do you ask them to bring you? Because obviously, and I think we both, we both of us have done this a little long enough, you always have that one coach who will say, well, why don't you try this? And then they have nothing with it to back their point or yeah. like no film, no, like no resources. Like, okay. What do you, when you're, do you allow that a lot of input in the off season? And if so, what do you ask them to bring when you do that? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I like to have as much input as possible. Um, I've been on staffs where I felt like that I was, my voice was not being heard or I felt like that I was, even though I was doing my part that I was a small part of, of what we were doing. Um, so I want to make sure that everybody has a voice. Um, so one of the things I do is as soon as I send out our self scout, um, information i send out a questionnaire as well and it's just got stuff on like you know what did you think we did good what you know some 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 things that we did bad what do we need to work on uh and then like what are some things that that i could work on and and then i make it where it's you know um you know i, I don't know who who it is may send it in um but if i then we'll meet together and then i we talk about okay so somebody said we need to run some cover too all right you know why, why don't we need to run cover two versus more man? And then, and then if they explain something and it's good, it's okay. All right. Then, yeah, let's, let's look at that. What do you, what do you know about, you know, since you're bringing up cover two, what do you know about it? That's going to make it so good that we need to put it in. And then, then we, then we just research the crap out of it. Um, now I don't always agree. And um, I, I have the, the final say so from, from the head coach that he lets me do pretty much whatever I want on defense um but I, I don't i also make it make it where if you bring me an idea i'm i'm going to hear you out and uh, i don't ever want it to be where where i'm not hearing everybody out. and it's the same way when we're doing game plan on on sundays or when we when we, we when we finalize the game plan i want everybody to feel like hey this is a hundred percent what we need to be doing and um i'm, I'm being heard and, and a lot of times too that what uh me and one of the secondary coaches, we kind of dominate the the conversation, not on purpose, but I make sure that a couple of times during the meeting, I will call out to to our D-line coach or another coach and say, hey, what do you feel about that? Or, or what do you think about the, the front wise? Are we running the right fronts here? Do you like that blitz? Just so that I, I'm getting input from everybody. Now, you mentioned yourself, Scott, there is, do you do any self-scouting in season? Like, I, obviously, it's hard to do, like, a full compre- – unless you have enough coaches, it's hard to do a full self-comprehensive self yeah. season. But do you at least do, like, a broad, okay, this is what I'm calling here, or this is how somebody's attacked. Like, is there anything you do to evaluate kind of as your season self-scout-wise? Um, sometimes. Sometimes I do. I mean, I like – I mean, every, every uh, weekend I always do a uh, – I always tag our film and put our calls in. Um, and then I'll, I'll do a real brief look at, Hey, what are we calling? Um, we, we called a lot of, you know, we were in a lot of four man front this, this game, you know, in versus three man front or we blitzed more. Um, and we have, we have a bye week every year and just so happens the last four years it's been in the, the very middle of the year. 
So it's worked out. So on the bye week, I do a I do a self scout. I don't go just a ton of depth, but I'll, I'll see what we're calling. Um, I'll do a little bit of the uh, some of the same stuff that I do at the end of the year, just kind of give me a broad uh, overview of how, of how we're doing. Um, now this coming year, we've already got our schedule for next year. It's on. It's in uh, week three, so <laughs> I won't have as much data to go from, but it's better than nothing, I guess. Okay. Now, I mean, I mean, there's two ways we can hit this, and I'll come back if we have time. Scheme later, but I'm I'm more like scheme to me at this point is scheme. I, I think obviously yeah. you can make adjustments, you're gonna make adjustments to your personnel, what fits best, what against whatever. But I think the more I do this, the more I think game planning, weekly prep, and practice matter more than anything. Yes. And so um, let's start with kind of like your game planning, your weekly prep. What is your process? each week kind of look like in terms of getting ready? What do you look at? What do you want to handle? And I know you've done like a full clinic on this, so I'm asking yeah. you to condense this heavily, but like kind of what is your process? And, and I mean, and how much does that change year to year? Um, it doesn't change a whole lot overall. Um, I tell you that the, the, since I've been here at Gardendale, it's really not changed a whole lot because um, we do the whole the huddle assist, and, and if you can afford to do that, I would highly recommend that. Um, when it first came out, I heard people doing it, but we, we didn't have the resources. But here we do, and that cuts a lot of the uh, the work out as far as the tedious work. You know, you're putting the yard yard line and the hash and the down and distance and all that stuff. Uh, and I know that the huddle assist is not 100% accurate, but they're they're close enough that it that it helps and and usually we can pick up some uh, so you know the here and there the down distance is wrong we can fix all that stuff but what we do is um as far as game planning wise on either saturday or sunday morning depends on how many films we have to break down um i start breaking it down and what i do is i do the formation in the play and i'm 100 I'm in charge of that uh, I make sure that when we meet on Sunday as a staff, I have all our films that we're, that we're responsible for broken down by formation and play. Um, and again, the whole assist does all the other little things. My secondary coach, he starts looking at all their, the pass routes. Um, I've got a D-line coach. He's looking at blocking schemes. And then the other secondary coach, he's looking at like who the main player is and he's starting to tag uh, touches and, and, who get who gets the ball and then and he's also responsible for stats he's so like the opposing team stats so i'll have him look up on the internet like like who's who's getting the ball and what like who do we need to stop so that's kind of where we start as far as game planning wise so going into sunday we meet at two o'clock on sunday afternoons uh we start i'm, I'm a I'm a history teacher. My wife's a history teacher. Uh, so I, we do the whole who, what, when, where kind of deal. So we're looking at who who they are, who are their dudes that we're trying to stop. So on the board, we meet in this in, in, a, in one of the, the classrooms in our, in our field house. And so on the big board, I write down who, and so we start writing down who are the dudes that we have to stop. Usually at our level, their quarterback's not really, really good. Either he's, he can run or he can throw. We, we very rarely see a game-managing quarterback. And then every year, I mean, excuse me, every week, we're seeing a dude at, at running back and a dude at receiver. And sometimes both. 
And so, or do they have more than two, two receivers that we need to stop? So we, once we know who they have, then we start looking at what do they do? And so I do the whole huddle uh, formation reports. And so I start categorizing as far as like their formations based off of uh, how many times that we see it. And then what I'll do is I'll start grouping them together. Like we, we tag, when I tag the, the formations, it might be two by two and then uh, where the back is. And then two, you know, one way, two by two, the back's on the other side. Trips with, with right with the back on the on the left, vice versa. Then I start, you know, does that even, you know, once I start going through it more in depth, do, does the back placement even matter based off of what they do? Um, and we spend almost the whole Sunday just getting getting lined up and where are their, their people? We spend hours on, on formation recognition, uh, where their guys are, and then what we're going to do. And what we, as a, as a, as a staff, we, we uh, have this little menu thing that we put together. Uh, I have one of my, my coaches, he puts it on, on a computer and we have it on one of the, the TV screens in there. And like, let's say two by two, then we start, after we draw it up, we start drawing up what fronts we like, what coverages we like, what blitzes we like. And so that's, that's put into, it's a, it's a Google sheet. And then um, we share that with all the coaches and, and the players as well. And so that, that kind of gets us going on Sunday. It's just the only thing that we do on Sunday. Okay. And then I can okay. go, going. go ahead. Go keep going. Okay. So once we do that on Sunday, um, we, on Monday, I look at the big 10. So uh, that's like their big 10 calls that they do. Sometimes it goes to 12. Sometimes it's eight, but it's basically formation motion and play what what's the, their calls that they like to do the most and we we and we make sure we're able to stop those and we rep the crap out of those on on mondays and tuesdays and during our team time um then on wednesdays i'll start looking at first downs i'll go back to the the film and i'll i'll chart uh, every first down that they have and i'll break it down by p and 10 and then drive first and 10 and on Thursday, I do third down. Okay. That, that's just kind of an overview of, of what we do. I mean, we get a little more complicated than that, but um, it's kind of the big picture who they are, uh, what do they do? Then, you know, more specifically what they do. And then I get into down and distance more Wednesday and Thursday. I used to do a whole lot of, you know, first, and you know, first, second down, third down, all that stuff way earlier in my career, but I, I, I don't spend near as much time on that anymore as I used to. Okay. Now, are you getting uh, curiosity because I mean, it's starting to be more common and I've seen a little bit more here too. And I think some of it's just people trying to keep crap their sideline, but are you seeing a lot more like formation in the boundary, a lot more like twins trips, all that yes. stuff in the boundary um, yeah. kind of what are you kind of seeing there in terms of what's attacking the formation boundary? Well, um, I think, I think, um, just in my opinion, I, th I think offenses will do that really depending upon what kind of defense you are. Are you a field boundary defense or are you just line up by formation? And we're we, we're going to line up based off of formation. I don't care if you're to the boundary or, or to the field. I'm not going to have an extra guy to the field just because that that's the strength. We go to, to where people are. Um, 
we have some we have some teams that do it more than others, and um, if we recognize that, that that's the big thing of what they do, we try to teach the kids, hey, we're not going to totally overload the boundary here. They they might have trips and a running back to the boundary. I don't need to get everybody over there because that's what they're trying to do to us. So we try to educate our kids to to recognize why the other teams doing what they do. Yeah. I'm just curious because I know we're starting to see that more, obviously. Yeah. I mean, NFL, there is really no boundary. Let's just be honest about that. Right. Life. But even in college, you see a lot more, a lot more trips in the boundary, whether they're running screens or yeah. runs into the boundary. And um, I know, I, like, there's some teams we saw this year. I think they, they ran a lot of formation in the boundary, but I think some of that was just trying to keep stuff to their sideline. Because that's mm-hmm. another thing we kind of noticed as, as we were kind of going. Um, you mentioned your, obviously, your weekly prep there, but how does that affect your practices throughout the week? What is your kind of, especially your defensive practice portion? Because obviously you said you guys are kind of split offensively and defensively. Yes. You don't kind of, I mean, you are fortunate enough to have enough staff, but what, so what is your kind of process throughout the week um, look like for, as a defensive staff? Okay. Um, so again, we, our big, big day, again, that we meet on Sunday, we do a little bit of stuff over the, over, on Saturday that you're responsible for. Um, we, we practice on Sundays as well. So we, we have a, like Sunday is a super, super long day for us, but it ends up working out better for us as, as the week goes. Um, so we come in at two o'clock on Sunday, we do our, our staff meet, we do our defensive staff meeting. Then we go meet all together, all the whole staff offense and defense. And we kind of talk about, injuries personnel kind of what's going on that week if it, you know it might be homecoming week and or maybe we're we're going into the games a two and a half hour trip we'll, we've got to figure out buses on friday all that all that great stuff that goes into uh, coaching high school football um then the players will come in at five o'clock and they're there for about three hours uh, but the kids know too that they're going it's going to work out so that they have more time off at the end of the week as well so We'll meet and lift, watch film, do all that stuff from five to eight o'clock. We have a one-hour practice on Sunday, and it's it's a very general practice, really. Like whether it be week ten or week week uh, third round of the playoffs, they pretty much look the same. We might just shorten things down as as the year goes on, but it's a you know we're doing corrections, a tackle circuit, um, just any time, and then we'll do a little bit of seven on seven and inside. And that's it. We're off off the field in an hour. On Mondays, we have uh, JV games on Monday nights. And um, but even though we have enough staff to go both ways, we don't have a separate JV staff. So half of our, over half of our coaches will have to leave um, at a certain time, and especially if, if, if the game is an hour away they've got to leave and get on the bus with those JV kids. And we've got and the, the coordinators and the head coach will stay a little bit far behind. So um, Monday practice is about 18 periods. Again, the big thing for us is we're trying to in, finish installing the game plan. We're doing our big 10. Um, on Tuesday is our big work day where it's 24 periods. Let me go back to the only day that we go full pads is on Tuesday. We are shorts and shoulder pads. Um, Sunday, Monday and Thursday. So Tuesday we're full pads. When we get after it pretty good, we'll have a little bit extra team time. We'll go maybe one more period of inside. And then Wednesday 
we do the whole no sweat Wednesdays. That's kind of, it's kind of been a thing for the last five or six years. We do a real quick hour on practice. We get the kids in and out. Um, we also call it bus day. So the kids are able to ride the bus home. Um, so at, at three, there's, there's no uh, having to get rides for kids. There, there should be no excuses for kids to have rides. Um, and then on Thursday is a little bit longer. It might be 16 periods um, to 18 periods, depending on what we've got to do. But we're, we still going to hit all the special teams um, in, in that as well. You want to talk a little bit more about No Sweat Wednesday? Because I've heard yep. No Sweat Thursday. I've heard No Sweat Wednesdays. Yeah. Kind of what that entails for you guys. Yeah. So um, our, our head coach was at Hoover High School in, uh, in Birmingham for, for several years. And um, they, they implemented that before, before he got here. And he really liked it. Um, so what that means for us is, is we're going to do 12 to 13 periods. We, we, our athletic period is the last period of the day. All right? And so our school gets out at 3.05, and I think – Fifth period starts at like 145. So like we like we tell our kids on on Wednesday, like we want you dressed and ready to go at two o'clock. So they've got to bust it to get down from the school to the field house, get changed to get on the field. Of course, we're just we're, we're wearing shorts and shoulder, excuse me, shorts and helmets. And so the big thing that we do is the we'll go out there and our, our special teams coach gets them all out there and he, he does all the substitutions. All right, and so he'll, he'll get them in and out, in and out, in and out. And then what we do is we have three different periods or three different sections of, uh, of team for like 12, excuse me, about um, 10 to 15 minutes. So I have a, a, I have a script that I go by and I have a, like it's, it's, down, it's by um, where we are on the field, okay? Well, I start the first – five plays are, are all red zone inside the 10-yard line. All right, so we do that. We'll do that for 10 minutes. Usually that, that's time, and then we'll go through two special teams. We usually go kickoff, kickoff return, then we'll go back, and then I'll do another 10 minutes of, of scripted plays. We'll go back. We'll do punt, punt, return, and then we'll do another special teams thing at the end. But, again, the big thing that we're wanting to do on defense is we're just doing formation alignment. We're like, I, we barely want them to be doing anything other than calling out any of our checks, any of that stuff. Now on the offensive end, I barely look down there, but they're, but they're running place is what they're doing against, okay. against bags. So we're, I mean, again, the big thing is it's, it's more of a polished day than anything else. Now, I, I mean, obviously before we go, I, I do want to hit a little bit of skin because we do have some time is, is, um, you're, you, I mean, you all obviously describe yourself as three, three multiple, obviously. I mean, I, I would say it's most defenses nowadays are pretty multiples, especially if you're an odd front, because I mean, there's a lot you can do a lot. Of, and there's easy adjustments, whether you're tight, bare, eagle, or there's, again, there's a billion different adjustments you can do. I, I think to me, the real interesting play nowadays is, is the secondary. So that's why I kind of asked you some of that before. Obviously you're base to read team at some rip Liz match and suppress man. Mm -hmm. um, what, I mean, obviously you're too reap, but what made you expand your alternate packages to like the ripple is why not quarters like, or something like that, or some sort of cover seven, like why rip, why was ripple is your secondary kind of package coverage wise? Um, I think it's a good compliment. And, and I think it's a, we, we like to pattern read. We don't, 
all of our coverages are either pattern read or man. Um, a, a few years ago, um, when I first became defense coordinator, we were like coverage wise, we were, we were drop zone and, uh, and we were, we were lit up pretty good a, a few different games. And uh, after doing that, I was like, there's got to be something different because um, we have some good guys in the secondary and we're, I mean, they're just absolutely eating us alive. Would it be like short yards, finding zone or hitting us over the top? So we, we chose to go to coverages that are going to be a little more um, tight. And we wanted, we wanted incompletions. We, we value incompletions more than trying to get a pick. Now, I like picks and I want picks, but we think that by, by playing a tighter coverage, we can, we can force incompletions um, and, and do a better job. And it, it, for the most part, it's worked out for us. Um, and also just to change the presentation as well. Like, so when we go Ripley's match, we, we spin to that. So we, we'll line up in like we're in a, in a cover two shell. We always start too high, and then we'll spin or, or, or go to what we're, we're going to end up in. Okay. And then, like, just continuing with that is, is, is obviously, I, I have a friend who's been on my channel who's done some Ripley's videos for me, um, who's does, does a lot of research on it. Where did you pull your Ripley's information from? Because everybody's a little different on where they get it from. Obviously, Coach Bass has a bunch of resources. With you living in Alabama, you obviously yeah. have a very easy resource down yeah. the road. Um, where did you pull your rib list stuff from? When I first started learning, I started learning it from again from the the Saban tree. Um, I used to again, I used to live in Tuscaloosa when when Saban first got to to Tuscaloosa uh, was the same year that I moved there, and so uh, he was pretty open as far as like, when we worked camps, he would have coaches that were at, you know would more glad to talk to us high school coaches, and so I learned a good bit there. Went to, I, he has a clinic every every spring I would go to that just because it was across town um, and, and started learning. But again, I, I was not a coordinator at the time then. I was just kind of gathering information. Um, but when I, when I became a coordinator at another school and like I said, we, we were going from cover two, cover three, cover four, that's what we base out of. And then we decided, Hey, we have got to change what we do. Um, that kind of fit a little bit better our kids. And so, um, I, I looked there, and then the last couple of years, uh, I got some resources from from Pruitt when he was at Tennessee. Um, somebody on football scoop, I cannot remember who it was, did a really, really good. Oh, the uh, um, got it. Who talked about it. it's the? Is it like Indiana Wesleyan's DC? Or yes, something yes. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's a pretty good clinic right there. Yeah, he did a really good job, and we used more of the rules that he uses than like what what Saban uses. Um, so, I mean, it's not like – it's not, you know, cover one, but it, it's pretty close from what, what we do. Um, you know, our, our guy our, – our corners are pretty much going to stay on the number one receiver. You know, like every, every snap that we run when Rick does match, except for like one during the year. Hardly any time does the number one receiver run a shallow route anymore. Yeah. You know, 10 or 15 years ago, we would see that a pretty good bit uh, when the Tony Franklin system first came out. But we don't see that anymore. It's the, it's the the safeties and the strong safety that we've got to spend the majority of our time with. Okay. And was that – and just on it from a difficulty level, I mean, obviously, two read 
and there, I mean, there, there are similarities, but was that a, how much time did you have to invest in the Red Blizz compared to the two, when you, to read, was it, was it a lot? A lot was because yeah. I was wondering how easy of a transition that was for you guys or an addition. Well, um, like I said, it's it's totally. I mean, it's different. I mean, because you're talking about a, uh, a middle of the field close coverage. We're talking about an outside leverage um, versus inside leverage. We're we're talking about reading number two. Where does he do? You know, depending on where he goes. I mean, our our safety when you're looking at what to read, you're seeing if he goes out to swap over. Okay. Now in, in Ripley's match, if he goes inside underneath, then he's passed him off. So it's almost total opposite. And so that's, that's something we have to spend a lot of time on. Now, again, here, here in Alabama, we're very, very blessed. We get, we get a lot of time with our kids. We don't do a whole lot like in January and February, but starting March when the weather gets pretty decent outside for the most part, we'll get outside um, here and there. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll during our athletic period, we'll start te our, our teach time. We also, too, once a week in March, we'll start teaching with our kids in the classroom a little bit before school. We'll start going through some meetings and doing some installs. And then we also have spring, spring football. I, I know not every state has spring football, but we have it. And we put a lot of emphasis on trying to get as much covered in spring football as we can. Then in the summer, we reteach everything. And so what the one thing that I do in the summer is I make sure that if we have three or four main coverages that when we do seven on set or, or seven on seven with ourselves, I will spend a whole week, like one week will be Ripley's match and that we won't run any other coverage, but that, and we'll run nothing but two read. And then we'll have like one trips check that we have per week. That's all we do. And then we'll, the next week, we'll flip it. We'll go to the other one. The next week, we'll go to the other one. And then when we come back through the summer, we'll do the same thing. So that when we start sprint, when we start, start fall camp, these guys have been introduced. This has been pounded in their head over and over and over and over again. And then, but again, we do this install schedule is there too, so that we're, we introduce everything over and over again, just like they've never had it before. Okay. So he's like last thing with this and you mentioned your install schedule there is how much is that i mean because when the way you mentioned your install schedule it kind of almost sounds like the air raid okay we're yeah. going to on these then we're going to come back to these then we're going to come yeah. back to these. there might be some small wrinkles with it but we're going to reteach what we have to make sure we're going to would you say that's kind of an accurate description of kind of how your install schedule is 100%. Um, and then how how in depth or and and how tightly do you stay to that schedule um so yeah, I, I try to say that we're playing we're playing offense on defense because it, we're we're not a, a blitz every down, but we want to be a, a we want to attack and we want to make sure we're bringing it to the offense. <laughs> so when I coached offense several years ago, the air raid was was the end thing, and so when I studied all that stuff, I kind of brought the same you know the teach schedule over to how we do it, and so we we do the same thing. You know, again, we we teach it and repeat, teach and repeat, teach and repeat. And then um, we try to stay to it, but usually once a year as we're going through, hey, we need to spend one more day on, on two read or or maybe we're running on special, uh, a trips coverage. Their kids are just not getting it. 
but we know that we have to have that coverage in. So we spend a little more time on it. So uh, I want to say this past year, we, we did a little more of that. We, we kind of had to slow things down in fall camp and emphasize certain things. And we, we, maybe we just didn't get to totally install everything that we wanted to, but we would pick it up later on down the road and get it. Okay. All right, Coach. Well, I thank you for coming on. Um, coaches, his Twitter will be in the bio, so please give Coach a follow. Um, that'd be greatly appreciated. If there's any point you want to go back and listen to, um, obviously his off-season process, the press box, um, taking input, self-scouting, formation, or mini talk on formation on the boundary, kind of what he's seeing, why he thinks he's seeing it. Um, no sweat Wednesday. If you want to go back to any of that, all those tags will be in the bio. Uh, make sure you check out our sponsors' affiliates. That's below. Um, also, uh, like, share, subscribe so people can find this and listen to Coach Talk. Um, and that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.